This is Jay Bradley Creed, president of Campbell University, and you're listening to Rhymes with Orange. So, Dr. Creed, uh, thank you so much for for doing this. We're on our 60th episode now, so uh, we're glad to finally have you on. And that, uh, that's more than we've had Super Bowls in my lifetime, if I'm correct. Yeah, we're going on 54 this year. <laughs> okay. Um, so, speaking of milestones, you're about to you're about to reach five years as president of Campbell University, as the fifth president of Campbell University, and uh, so just. You know, kind of uh, tell us how has these first five years been for you? Well, um, they've been wonderful. Um, when I reach five years, I will have exceeded the average of um, tenure for a university president in the United States, which tells you several things, but I think it mostly says something about Campbell that I'm only the fifth president in 131 years, I believe it is. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, it's definitely not no, no, the no. average of a Campbell president. 133 years. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, well, it, it seems like I only came here yesterday. And on the <laughs> other hand, as though I've been here for most of my, my life. Um, I've never traveled so far away from the place where I was born to feel so much at home. That's one way to describe my experience at, at Campbell. Uh, Dr. Wallace told me when I came in, people at Campbell will out-nice you, and he's, <laughs> he's been correct. Um, so it's, it's been a, a great place for me and, uh, and, and my wife, Kathy. Um, I'm reminded of what the writer Frederick Beekner said about vocation. He said, it's where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger, and so there's been something of that kind of awareness for me coming to Campbell. Okay. Um, this was your first presidency, and uh, what has uh, surprised you most about the job, surprised you most about Campbell, uh, maybe something you didn't expect when you got here? It could be a pleasant surprise. It could be a, uh, <laughs> a not-so-pleasant <laughs> yeah, surprise. Yeah, well, there, there are oh-wow surprises and oh-no surprises. Right. And, you know, it been a few of both, but, but mostly the oh-wow. Um, I don't think I was just bowled over because even though this is my first presidency, I've worked closely with presidents in my previous jobs. So when I was a dean at Baylor, I worked closely with um, <clears throat> presidents there and then worked with two very good presidents at Sanford University where I was the provost and executive vice uh, president. Um, but yet when you assume the role, there's there's a, a weight and gravity that, that comes to it uh, beyond what you've perceived before. You, you existentially come into that office and, and you feel the, the responsibility um, of it. Um, so by now, maybe I've been inured to some of it or overly familiarized, and it, it seems like um, I don't have many of those oh wow or no surprises um, anymore. But... Um, that, that's what I remember uh, coming in here, and um, you know, I, I hope I retain the capacity to um, uh, to be somewhat baffled uh, by <laughs> things I encounter, um, uh, maybe occasionally uh, astonished or perplexed, because that makes life interesting, um, and that's how we learn and how we grow. Uh, but yet, I want there to be enough continuity and familiarity where um, it doesn't feel like the ground is moving under my feet each and every day. 
Yeah. We've been talking a lot about growth in our office and publications as we hit a new decade. Um, where have we been for the last 10 years? Where are we going in the next 10 years? So we wanted to ask you, what's your focus for the immediate future at Campbell? Well, just for the for the near future, it's, uh, you know, to, to stay the course that, that we've been establishing. Um, when, I, when I got here, I spent a, a very intentional year of transition, listening to people, meeting a lot of people, and then working with members of the president cabinet and others to formulate a strategic plan and then the capital campaign to, to follow on that. Um, so um, those are some of the things that, that, that we're working on um, and making great progress on that. Uh, I think with universities, and certainly it's true with Campbell, um, we, we try to find a solid financial model to be able to conserve and consolidate the growth that we've experienced. Um, we, we look at enrollment, that's, that's very important. And then um, you know, want to find uh, other strategic opportunities as, as we move ahead. Um, but we, we've got a five-year plan, and so we're, we're working on it. And as we come towards the end of that, which would actually be next year, yeah, <laughs> first year was a transition year, then we will start uh, formulating other priorities that uh, will grow out of some of these, but I think there'll be new opportunities that we consider as well. Certainly. We've got a lot to look forward just in the next year alone. We've been talking a lot about the student union, which is opening yeah. hopefully yeah. soon. Yeah. <laughs> no exact date yet. Um, could you talk a little bit about the student union? That was your first big project that you announced, I believe, under right. your presidency, and it's opening soon. What do you right. think it's going to mean to this community? Yeah, that's the the guessing game with when it's going to open. Um, the best we can tell now, we're, we're looking at opening right after spring break. It will be ready before then, but because this is such an enormous building and it's a new operation, we want to mm. get some time to, to kind of run through the bugs and you know, work the bugs out. Um, yeah, the first time I interviewed with um, the Presidential Search Committee from Campbell, I believe, was November the 18th of 2014. And um, then they called me on November the 20th, two days later, and said they wanted to move forward. Um, I came home and I told my wife, I said, well, I, I thought the interview went well. Those are really nice people. Uh, I think that's a great opportunity. I don't know if it's the one for me. We'll see. But the next president is going to be responsible for building a student union. They and made that very clear. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that emerged out of the listening sessions for the presidential search process. And, and some have said they've been talking about this since the 1970s. Um, wow. And I think it's pretty obvious that with all of the amazing programs and wonderful facilities we have, that's, that's a deficiency here for mm -hmm. us. Um, our existing student center, such as it is, uh, well, I'll put it this way. The listeners of this podcast in their homes probably have more usable space per square foot yes. than, yeah, than we do in our current student center based upon the number of students that we have. Um, so we wanted to make sure that, um, that we vetted that process, and, and we did. Uh, the first time I drove down Leslie Campbell Avenue or Street, whatever it is, I saw... Uh, kitchen and Baldwin Halls. I don't know if you remember those. I do, yeah. And, I do not. Well, they were yeah, you, I got you don't, Kate. Yeah. But uh, uh, the one thing that sticks out was the window units coming out of every window there. Mm. Right. And, and I looked over to my wife and I said, Scenic. <laughs> those two buildings have to go. <laughs> and so once they were raised and torn down, I felt like I'd accomplished my mission. I told a few people, well, yeah, you're done. <laughs> I, I can turn around and head westward again and go back to Texas. But uh, 
there was a purpose in clearing those buildings out was to to make uh, the site ready for the student union and um, you know over 100,000 square feet it'll be the largest facility on campus it's going to be a great addition um, it's helps us with our mission of building community here which is which is very important and uh, a place where people can gather and hang out uh, so many important experiences that are formative for students happen outside the classroom mm -hmm. they happen somewhat serendipitously they're they're in the conversations with other students when they're hanging out or, or over a meal and um, so there's there's a little bit of everything there there's there's places to get coffee and, and food and uh, I think the oasis that we all know and love is going to move over there and can't wait for that new meeting space which we're desperately in need of and expanded fitness facilities and a bookstore and um, offices for student life and a movie theater. People have been asking me in the community, can we come to movies there? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, but maybe sometime you will you will come through. But there. your kids can. Your, yeah. your kids can. Yeah, that's right. If they uh, if they come to Campbell University. Well, we've been we've been walking through it throughout the construction process, and most mm -hmm. recently last week we walked through it, and that's just the work that's been done over the holiday break has been uh, really impressive. So when people. I know people are anxious for it. Um, Kate and I can attest, and I'm sure you can too, that it's really right around the corner. It's, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're not very lying. close to it. Uh, Kathy and I were out walking the other night. It was dark, and we came onto the academic circle, and the the whole visual aspect of that has changed now. Mm -hmm. And we could see the lights on in there, and it's just going to be a phenomenal building. It's very inviting. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's spacious. Um, I've done something in my 30 years of higher education that's a little bit unusual, and I, I wouldn't call it a superstition, but um, I, I rarely go into a building that's being constructed until after it's complete. Wow. Uh, and that says a couple of things. One is is that um, we have people who are working on it knowing what they're doing. I've had my input, but um, I just kind of want to wait till it's all over with, and um I look at it, you know, taking an hour to tour a building that's got, you know, drywall in it and insulation is an hour of my time that I need. Well, I imagine there'd be a lot of fingernail yeah. fingernail biting from men in hard hats with you sure. walking through it. Just, well, you yeah, know, it, this guy has to go, this has it, to go. It, I don't yeah. Exactly. So we, we avoid that as, as well, too. So I have not actually been in the building, and um, I'll wait till the time that, that we're ready to go in when it's finished. Okay. Well, in um, moving on to uh, to other um, things coming up, you just recently um, welcomed back faculty and staff for the spring semester, and uh, loved your speech, by the way. Um, but I also like the fact that you were not afraid to mention challenges that all higher ed um, institutions are facing right now. And Campbell University is not not alone, definitely. Can you talk about some of those challenges and? Uh, um, why you felt the need to address that to the faculty and staff and what, uh, what Campbell University is uh, doing to head those challenges. Yeah. Um, I, I believe in being transparent with, um, with the university and our operations that affect everybody. You know, I, I believe in telling uh, the truth and nothing but the truth. We don't always tell the whole truth uh, because you get into detail sometimes that just don't need to concern people. Um, but yeah, what we're facing is what every other private college in particular is facing, with a few exceptions. I, I don't know that they're having the same conversations at Harvard or Yale, but even with their multi-billion dollars doors, endowment, yeah, yeah they, <laughs> they still seem to say they, they don't have enough money to do what they, they need to do. Right. Um, 
but um, we have grown tremendously in the last 10 years. We've added a number of programs and buildings, and so now we find ourselves at the place to try to get our mind around the financial impact of that and to conserve and to consolidate that growth. So behind that growth, in the wake of it, so we can move forward uh, to make sure that we have the right kinds of management and financial review processes in place to add stability and um, to make our firm foundation even stronger as, as we move ahead. So all colleges now are, are facing challenges with uh, the, the finances and the financial model. Um, I've just been to an annual president's meeting. I'm on the board of the Council of Independent Colleges. And uh, they have their annual President's Institute in some place warm every year because yeah. <laughs> the presidents up north want to get away from the snow. So it was in Florida this year. But everybody's facing this. And, yeah. then, and then we're also looking at enrollment challenges for traditional undergraduate students. Um, ours is stable, uh, but everybody's going to be facing the anticipated demographic dip mm -hmm. of 2025. It won't be quite a tsunami, um, and I hope the impact is less than we've anticipated. Well, what's going to happen then? Some of you will remember the recession of 2007 and 2008, mm -hmm. and one of the lingering consequences is that uh, people then, facing financial difficulty, realize that children are expensive. <laughs> you know, I've had three, so I know yeah. that. And they decided to have fewer children to postpone that. And so this is the time, 2025, when those children who uh, did not come about because they were too expensive would be going to college. Right. And um, so there's less of a pool to draw from. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's anticipating that. It's anticipated to last about five years, but uh, we're, we're trying to put ourselves in, in a good position uh, for that. Sure. Our, our adult and online programs are growing steadily, and there's great interest in our graduate and professional programs. So, so those, those are a few things that I think every college is facing, and, and we're facing it here at Campbell but in a very good position to deal with it because of the programs that we do have that are attracting students, because of the, the wonderful contributions that our donors are making and the strength of our endowment and the great people that we have. So we, we will weather this. We just need to, um, uh, to be ready for it. And, you know, as the old saying goes, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And yeah. we hope that we will be. Glad we're in a good place with that. That's something that, you know, it's scary. You see education changing, higher education changing. Um, but you mentioned that you have three kids of your own. Yeah. And we've seen you acclimate really well to addressing students here. Um, you're a very popular university president, we think, and you teach a class here. Um, could you tell us about maybe how being a parent yourself has helped that aspect of the presidency, just being able to relate to students? Yeah, well, yeah. Um... I think being a parent, uh, you know, when you have kids go to college, it, it reminds you of, of what the people who are paying the bills for these students are, are going through. And, um, you know, I've been in this long enough to, to see the changes uh, in, in my own life. So when I first started, uh, I was often 
confused as being a graduate student. In fact, at, at Baylor one time, I was a dean, and and um, this officious woman tried to you know usher me out of a room, telling me that <laughs> the meeting for the graduate students was down the hall. That doesn't happen anymore. Wow. Uh, although when they uh, they I jokingly say that when they hired me at age fifty eight here, I represented the youth movement at, at Campbell <laughs> University because of the longevity of my predecessors. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, a professional in education and, and certainly in higher education has a unique perspective that no other professional has. Um, you think about it. Uh, if, if you think about a lawyer's clients or a, or a doctor's patients or a business person's customers, you often grow older with them. But each year as I grow older, the students here stay the same age. And so I've seen the changes. I, I think one thing that does for me is to perhaps keep me youthful, but... Um, I've always enjoyed people of all ages. Uh, we're in this, all of us, because of the students. Mm-hmm. That's the end game, if I can use that language here. Yeah. And so <laughs> we enjoy living here on campus. I guess we're in the fishbowl. And um, so sometimes when I'm walking to work, I'm walking with students as they're going to campus. And Kathy and I ate in Marsh Banks for lunch yesterday. And uh, we have students over uh, to our house. Uh, so the... The, the, you know, the, the children in my home, my daughter just graduated from, from Sanford University in Birmingham in December. I missed um, graduation as uh, an officiant for the first time in my career. And I think for the first time since my wife graduated from college, before we were even married, I sat out in the audience and enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you yeah. that. How That's was weird. that? Um, I, I know Sanford is, is very familiar to you, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like you were in a foreign place. But how was it to to be on the other side to watch all of it happen and and yeah. uh it, it was it was very rewarding and less pressure right um and you know i i, I sort of knew the words that they were going to say you have your, your speeches <laughs> they actually offered the president andy westmoreland called and he he said um would, would you like to be up on stage and and hand the diploma to your daughter <laughs> and i said well well thank you for offering um but i i never actually i except for one semester when she took some uh, part, uh, was a part-time student before she actually matriculated. I was never her, her provost. I'm her father. I would rather have that role sure. today. Yeah. And uh, so it was, it was a great perspective and, and very proud of her. We, we say in our family, she got her college away experience because her parents went off to college. Yeah. You know, she'd made her decision to go to Sanford thinking we were going to be there and, you know, talk to Kathy about mm. having, her friends over to eat and, and she had to come drop you off right. up here yeah, and she, she did <laughs> wow. and then our our son um is is older and he works full-time uh, by the way the, the the daughter has a ba and a job so she's got a full-time nice. job nice. and we're grateful for that and our our son is older and is uh, working full-time and uh, but goes to campbell online okay he's an adult and online education student so he he works nice. a full day and then you know, comes in an evening and works on his studies and is doing quite well. So we, we have that experience as well. My own mother was a non-traditional student. She graduated from college when I was a sophomore in high school. That was before online, and she had to drive in the last two years of her college experience 100 miles every day to go to college. So those personal experiences hopefully translate into an, an awareness of what other people go through. Yeah, and you seem to have more of an appreciation for the adult yeah. non-traditional student. Um, you mentioned earlier that that's a big part of Campbell going forward. Um, it seems like uh, that's where a lot of these, a lot of schools are, are putting their focus on. Um, 
why is it because people is it because you need that degree for so many jobs around and and maybe adults are finding that out later in life or why why would you think that maybe online education is getting so popular right now well i think there's a larger pool there's a market for it and and yes um some people don't go to college at uh, the traditional college-going age for a number of reasons. They, they can't afford it. They have other obligations. They're, they're not ready. They don't think it's important. Uh, my son is, is very intelligent, and uh, you know he just didn't think he needed to go to college at that time, and, and he does now. Um, but I, I tell you, in spite of the concerns about the cost of college, and we, we read a lot about student indebtedness and so forth, it is the one of the single most consequential decisions you can make to improve your life and those who are part of your your circle of relationships or your or your family study after study after study will show that um, your your levels of, of satisfaction and meaning and purpose in life increase with a college degree mm-hmm. your ability to earn a better living increases with a college degree. Uh, your knowledge of the world and your ability to navigate the world increases with a college degree. Your being an involved and engaged citizen is likely to be greater with a college degree. <clears throat> so it's an investment that lasts for a lifetime. Uh, you know, my own father, who's 90 years old, asked me recently, he said, what's the average indebtedness of a, of a graduate at Campbell? And I said, I think the average indebtedness of our students is about twenty-four to $25,000 a year. He said, my goodness, it's that much? And I said, think about it, Dad. Students or graduates will pay more for their first automobile than they pay for that. And uh, over 90% of our students get financial aid. 50% of our students are eligible for Pell Grants. So that's a great investment. Um they can be paid off and it's going to make, it is a great return on investment. Um, people have heard me talk about my maternal grandfather who had only a fourth grade education, mm-hmm. but had the mind of an engineer and would have been a brilliant engineer if he had been afforded uh, the opportunity of an education. But when when I received several degrees and even when my wife did, uh, he, he was still living then, he said, an education is something that when once you have it, nobody can take it away mm-hmm. from you. And um, that says a lot right there from a man with a fourth grade education. Yeah. Well, Dr. Creed, we are, uh, these 20 minutes go really quick when, when you're rolling. And uh, we want to thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We just had one last question. And um, we're earning a new year, a new decade. Uh, are you superstitious? Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? Mm-hmm. And if so, what was yours, and when did you break it? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you might want to ask me that in May. Yeah. Third, third weekend of the year, you're you're more likely to keep your resolutions, and and you know, as, as the year goes on, the the faithful are few. Um, you know, I, I don't make resolutions as much as I have goals and priorities for the year, and um, some of the resolutions will be translated into things that, that I do that I think are helpful to my life, you know, exercising and managing my time. But um, I, I think about what I do. So I, I've thought about how I work this year. Uh, <clears throat> it's not a resolution, but one thing I'm doing differently with my own planning and managing my week and capturing information, I've gone back to analog instead of digital. <clears throat> oh. I still use my iPad, but uh, there's, there's something, and I think neuroscientists tell us this, about writing it down mm-hmm. with yeah. a pen. And um, I'm developing a little system and, you know, learning from what other people do. And uh, 
so far, you know, about a month in, it's proving very beneficial uh, to me and forcing me, um, you know, to make bullet notations, but to write more expansively when, when I need to. Um, back before the beginning of the year, somehow I came across Jonathan Edwards, the great American preacher's 70 resolutions. And, you know, some of them sounded exactly like what a Puritan would say. You know, he's mm-hmm. resolved to live for the glory of God. <clears throat> but um, he had 70 of those. And, um, but what was interesting was, and, and I'm paraphrasing this, he, he wanted to do this in a way that made room for innovation, experimentation, creativity. And we think about the Puritans being really starched up and, right. you know, mm-hmm. someone who's afraid that somebody somewhere is having a good time. And so I, I, I think uh, my outlook is to remain true to those things that, that I believe in. My faith is a part of that. But I think that will sustain me that, you know, the good that I should be giving myself to. But but be open to new ways to, to accomplishing my goals and how I relate to people and getting work done. Well, um, sounds great. <laughs> well, <laughs> sounds great. My, I mean, my, mine was, sim- mine was simply how... just running, but but yours yeah. beats mine. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still doing that. And, you know, students will say, Dr. Craig, we saw you out running today. Mm-hmm. And my response is, was anybody chasing me? <laughs> and they'll say, well, no, they, they weren't. And um, so I, I can kind of shame them a little bit. If someone who's old enough to be their father's out running, then I hope they'll exercise No excuses, yeah. yeah. No excuses. <laughs> Well, uh, President J. Bradley Creed, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Best of luck in the coming semester, coming year, and uh, we can't wait to see you walk inside the Student Union. I'm looking forward to it as well, and thank you very much, and go Camels! (laughs) 